We're, we're uh, in Luke chapter 8. We come across a very interesting passage, and uh, in 25 minutes I, I cannot do the passage justice. So, And I knew that because it's a long passage, and so I decided I'm going to uh, digress from it after I read it and just, just point out a few things that uh, were important to me application-wise when I was reading it. So um, shall we read it? And I, I want to... Uh, I want to say something before beforehand. In that, uh, I have to find it. There you go. Last week we talked about Jesus calming the storm, and and we realized that Jesus has authority over all creation. And he, and in a, in a minute he just like, okay, that's it. We're that, done with the storm. And then the next thing that happens is he, is he delivers this, this person who is demon-possessed with a lot of spirits. Um, but it's, it's interesting, if you take out the storm, I'm going to read verse 22, and then I'm going to read it as if the storm didn't happen, just to see if you can see what I saw when I was reading. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and set out. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the Lake of Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man. Without the storm, we don't realize that Jesus had an assignment. He He knew what was going to happen next. And that's why he was sleeping in the boat. (laughs) He was about to confront the powers of darkness. And he was going to take a nap ahead of time. Okay? And now, of course, he had to instruct his disciples. It's like, I got this, the the creation thing. uh, He calms the storm, and they're all like, I'm afraid. But Jesus was, I believe, by reading this and, and making that connection, that Jesus said, let's go over to the other side because I want to not show you that I'm a Lord over all creation only, but I want to show you that I am Lord over all the demonic forces. And uh, last week I, I, I said something like, if we only understood the authority of Jesus... Uh, we would be amazed at who we are in him. Because he, in, remember Matthew 28, he says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I say to all of you disciples, that's you guys in the room if you're a follower of Jesus, therefore, I say go. And what that means is that we go as ambassadors wherever we are. Tomorrow when you go to work, you're an ambassador of Christ with His authority to proclaim the gospel, to bring the kingdom of God, to heal those that are broken, to pray, certainly to pray for them, and to usher in the kingdom of God wherever you are. God is not looking for big churches He's looking for people of authority to walk in to the authority of Christ. And part of this early, these early stories is Jesus demonstrating to the disciples and then writing a record of it for us so that we know that whatever we walk in, we stand as the ambassador of God to go and do that same thing. Okay? 
All right, you okay with that? And, and, and it's so true. In fact, I, I, I spent a couple hours looking at the authority of Christ. When Jesus said that in Matthew 28, it wasn't like it was just given to him because he was raised from the dead. But he always had authority on heaven and earth. In fact, it, it says in Colossians that he created the heaven and earth. So obviously he had authority in heaven and earth, but he was demonstrating to them that now I have full authority because I've conquered the last foe on your end, and the last foe is death. And so I want you guys to be able to proclaim the, the eternal life to all people. Okay? And you can do that, and we will do that. And I hope we're doing that anyway. But it, it seems like more and more uh, we feel that somehow or another we're up against a wall of being able to share this good news with others. In fact, Daniel brought it up a little bit today by saying, uh, if you say God loves you, that might be offensive to them. The very thing that Satan wants us to believe is that we don't carry the authority along with those words. And I'll share a little story with you uh, as we go along, but I just wanted you to make that connection that Jesus was aiming at this guy. Yeah, I'm coming for you. And he is coming for every single... I don't know. When he came for me, he was aimed. It wasn't random. He's like, I'm after that guy. And, and I believe he's doing that in lives all around us. Okay? So anyway, so he gets out of the boat. They sail to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from, Gal, uh, from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes. This is very descriptive. Here's a naked guy. I mean, it's, it, 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 it sounds crazy, but I, I don't know. You can just drive around our own area right here, and you'll see people that are in really bad shape. You'll see homeless people. And I, I was thinking that Jesus' heart broke for this guy. He didn't just look and go, man, there's another crazy guy walking down the street, which is what we tend to do. It's like, well, I hope, hope somebody takes care of them. And I know that's, that's kind of a big, that's a big thing to crack, and I'm not cracking it. Uh, homelessness in San Jose, that would be a big thing to crack. But the least we could do is bring the authority of Christ through prayer for those people. When we see them, that we would say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, will you please, one, break my heart so I don't just see them as a thing, but as a human that is needing the love of God and needing deliverance. I entitled this, this message, Jesus the Deliverer. And we're it. We are the people with the authority of Christ that have the ability to set people free. Amen. All right. So anyway, so, so Jesus' heart was breaking. And, it, you know, the disciples are not mentioned at all in the story. They're, I think they're still shaking from the, from the, the storm thing and, and then going, who is this guy? Who, what is going on? I don't know what was happening, but Okay. So he's naked. He's li- he, he didn't live in a house, but had lived in the tombs. 
He's in a graveyard. He, he was separated. He, if, he, we assume that he was probably uh, an Israelite, which means that he was unclean. He wasn't able to come to God in, in their terms. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of God, uh, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. That wasn't him speaking, because Jesus doesn't torture people. That was the demons going, oh no, time's up. Jesus is aiming for this guy, and he is not going to finish. He's not going to leave until he's finished. And so he said, uh, they said, don't torture us. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of this man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Do you, you get the picture of this guy? This is tormented. This is, this is the most mentally ill person you've ever seen. Needing Jesus. And Jesus decides he'll have a conversation with the demons for a minute. And Jesus, uh, so Jesus had commanded... This, and Jesus asked him, what's your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone out. Uh, it says, because, sorry, <laughs> many demons had gone into him. So Legion, um, that, that's 2,000 war- warriors. So that's a lot. Now, when I read that, I've always read, like, then he had exactly 2,000 demons in him. I don't think that was the case. I don't know how big, I don't think there were 2,000 pigs there. I don't know if you've ever seen a herd of pigs. They don't get to 2,000. It's hard to find 2,000 pigs. But I think the the demon wanted Jesus to back up. Because that's what Satan does to us. He's like, I am bigger than Christ. I am bigger than God. I am legion. I'm 2,000. What are you going to do about that? And of course, Jesus says... (laughs) Uh, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. Uh, a large herd of pigs, I just love this, was feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged them. These demons, he just kept begging, begging, begging. All right, to, to go into the pigs. Uh, when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep embankment into the lake, and they were drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. Okay, quick pause. Jewish people shouldn't be raising pigs. Okay? (laughs) I don't know about... Now, I don't have time to develop, but the other side of the lake was the tribe of Gad and Manasseh. They're the ones that did not cross over into the Promised Land. They did, some of them did, to help fight but these were guys that said, this is as far as I go. And there's some spiritual connotations to that, but there's also just, just they did not want to follow God in what he was asking of them. And so instead they end up with the pigs, and I think Jesus had no problem helping these guys understand, you know what, I'm bringing everybody to God today. Everybody's coming in. This guy's going to get delivered, and you're going to see me act in a way. And these poor pigs, all that bacon, gone, gone. 
Okay, just that's where we're going. Okay, where are we going? Okay, I'm going to pause for just a minute. Many years ago, uh, it, when I was every time I read this this scripture, it reminds me of this story. There was a couple of young ladies in our church um, that were just new believers, and uh, they called me. And they said, Pastor, you need to, you need to come over. Um, our cat is possessed. And they were going to kill the cat. They were literally going to kill the cat. And, and I, I said to them, do not kill the cat. The cat was bouncing off. I don't know what, I don't know what they were doing, <laughs> that they thought that this cat needed to die. Um, but I am sure to this day, if the cat's still around, it's been so long, I'm sure the cat's off to kitty heaven at this point. Um, but they were convinced. Uh, I'm like, do not kill the cat. And here was my reasoning. What's going to happen to the demon if you kill the cat? And they, yeah, they're like, yeah, maybe it'll attack one of us. Okay, good. Cat's okay. Cat was still okay last time I had checked with them about the cat. Anyway. I always laugh about this. And then the same thing with the pigs. They end up in the water, and they're all drowned, and they're like, okay, now where did these, these demons go? Anyway, that's another theological thing just for you to ruminate on while I'm talking the rest of the day. Like, yeah, where did all these things go? <laughs> to Santa Cruz. Okay, where, where, where are we? Uh, okay, <laughs> i got to get to my message. I'm still just reading this thing. So... Uh, when those who were tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off, and they went to town, to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people, how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged him. Here's the begging again. He learned this from the demons. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of begging going on in this passage. And he's like, please. And Jesus says this, no, return home. And tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and, and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now I know that's a long passage, and, and I, I, I didn't want to like break it down like I normally will kind of go through. But I wanted us to just focus on Jesus the deliverer. That Jesus is able to deliver those when we see the homeless and people wandering around with carts and talking to themselves. And, 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 and you're thinking, there's so much of that in, in our society now that we just, we just think of those people as it's. Those people. Instead of saying, what can we do? And as with all spiritual warfare, it always begins in prayer. It always begins in prayer and says, Lord, what parts can I play in this person's life? So next time, if you see any homeless people, you see anybody wandering around talking to themselves, don't just drive by them. Or, well, 
as you're driving by, say, that is a human loved by God, not separated from the love of God. And I and the person that God has called today to be able to pray for them, that God would deliver them. You won't be the deliverer necessarily, but Jesus is the deliverer. And ask that God would deliver them. Now, the other thing that when we look at this, though, is that we reflect on our own spiritual struggles. How many struggle spiritually with anything? Okay. You got got a a few things coming at you. Okay. And Jesus is our deliverer, and he keeps delivering us on and on and on and on. But at a certain point, we might begin to believe that there's something in our life that Jesus cannot deliver us from. How many has, have believed that lie? It's like, oh, there's one thing. I, I had a friend, uh, he says, Pastor, pray for me. I'm like, what do you need? I, I've been trying to quit smoking for 20 years. I'm like, just quit. Right? <laughs> he did quit when he got lung cancer, and that, then then I end up having to pray for his healing. He's like, Pastor, pray for me, dying of lung cancer. It's easier to pray that you quit smoking than it is easier to pray for people that have lung cancer. Just thought I'd try that. God didn't heal. That's another story. Okay, so whatever it is. Number one lie is you can't be set free from it. And that is the ultimate lie. Because <laughs> as long as you think that Jesus can't, deli- he can't get to this part of my life, then he actually will, will start taking footholds over all areas of your life. Now, I, I'm just going to break this down a little bit. There's three areas of our life where, where the devil wants to get a foothold. You ready? Um, the, and the, these come right out of the scriptures. Our flesh. How many are fleshly beings? How many uh, would, you know, have, have problems struggling with all kinds of stuff? Okay, uh, this is what Paul says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They're everywhere. It is sexual immorality, yes. Uh, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, that's divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The flesh. Jesus can deliver us from these things. How do we know? Because I didn't put it here in my notes, but if we keep reading on, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, and self-control. Because the, what Jesus brings as the deliverer is his Holy Spirit to fill us. Right? And what most people don't understand is that the power of God is much bigger than the lies of Satan. Okay? All right. So the first thing is the flesh. The second one is fear. And this is the killer. Ready? What was holding back these people? What's it say? They were deathly afraid. What did it say of the disciples when Jesus calmed the storm? They were afraid. What does it say? It says twice, uh, actually, in this passage about the people being like totally afraid. Like they they were overcome 
with fear. <clears throat> One of the ways that we stay um, needing the power of God is in our fears. I'm afraid all the time of little things. Not big things. I'm not really afraid to die. If I die today, my wife will be upset. Um, <laughs> she'll be really upset. Be, I'm good at life insurance, so the kids will be they'll be taken care of. Um, but those aren't the fears I'm worried about. It's it's the little fears. It's like, oh man, I gotta I gotta tackle this thing. Oh, I gotta deal with this. Oh, and and often they're connected with the fear of man. It's like which the Bible says is a snare. Of course, then there comes the fear of Satan. I'm trying to, this, this is the one I want to dispel today. Okay, so the, I'm going to tell you my, my story. So I'm in Guatemala this summer, and I have the most outrageous dream fight of my life since, since I was a new Christian. I don't know, if you, have you ever had a, a fight with Satan that was physical? It was one of those, and this is and this this is what he 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 said to me. I don't want you here, and what you're doing will make no difference in the world. And we fought for a while. I mean, it was it was like, man, I have not been in an encounter like that in a long time. But what was different than when I was first a Christian was I was afraid. It's like, oh man, this guy might kill might kill me. <laughs> But this time, I started to, to smile and laugh because I realized that he was pushing to see if I would, like, oh, no, I could lose my life over this. Instead of like, are you kidding me? That's why we're here. That's why we've come here for the last 20 years, is to get you out of here. Right? But he still has his moments doesn't he? Where he's like, ah, you should be afraid of me. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I woke up and I did, I, I did not realize the attack that I'd been under the whole week. I didn't even recognize it until he had jumped me that night. And I realized all the different circumstances, and they're mostly in the heart, were things that Jesus was trying to, to say, listen, I have all authority. Wherever you are, you're going to push the kingdom of God forward. Okay, so we, we have the flesh, we've got fear, and last but not least, we've got forgiveness. The biggest hindrance to the spiritual life is a life that's undone as far as forgiveness goes. Uh Satan so much wants to use our relationships and our broken relationships to take to make a foothold in our lives. And um, I'm sure that we all struggle from time to time with, with people. Anybody? Anybody struggle with people? <laughs> I'm usually a pretty for, good forgiver. In fact, my, uh, uh, my uh, PE... Uh, teacher came to me and, and was talking to me about a, a young student who was having difficulty with another student. And he said, he just can't forgive him. And I thought, boy, it starts so early. 
uh, they were playing football and, and he said something like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're a stinker or something. And he's like, I will never forgive you. <laughs> I mean, you know, from now on, I'm going to make it my life's passion to get revenge. Uh, and the, you know, the other guy's like in second grade, he's like, I don't even know what's going on. Or third grade. So like, I don't even know what's going on, man. This kid's in fourth grade. He's, and, uh, and I said, did you talk with him and lead him through an exercise in forgiveness? And he said, yes, I did that. But that's a nine-year-old lesson, right? Not a 39-year-old lesson. (laughs) Not a 69-year-old lesson. Not an 89-year-old lesson. It's the same lesson. That when we're offended or or we take hold of an offense, based on Colossians 3, 5 to 9, says this, um, I didn't put it down here, but I know what it says. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. I think Satan takes the most territory on this earth based on the territory we give him through unforgiveness. And so I have another hour's worth of message that I'm not going to say. Because I think that's enough. What fear is overcoming you right now. Remember in our sacred reading it says, uh, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Or their fear of man. Has Satan used the world we live in to tantalize us and to draw us away in the flesh? Or is there someone that we that comes to mind, like when I say we should forgive, we go, oh yeah, that person, that's the one. Um, if that happens, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, I want you to defeat the work of Satan in your life, because I am still the deliverer. So with that, let's, uh, let's just close in prayer and take these things to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you are our deliverer. I believe that most of the people in the room have experienced your delivering power in some way or many ways. I certainly have. But there's still areas in our own life where somewhere through our flesh, through our fears, through our unforgiveness, we've given a place for the enemy to to rule a little piece of our heart. And we ask right now, Lord, that as we forgive those that are unforgiven, as we confess these fears, and as we renounce these acts of our flesh, that you, by your power and by your authority, would deliver us. You taught us in your model prayer for us. Deliver us from evil or from the evil one. That's a daily prayer, uh, Lord, but that you would protect us from it. And Lord, I pray you'd break the chains that are in our life and that you would set up your Holy Spirit as a sentry to watch over our minds and our hearts with your peace.
Thank you for your word today. Thank you for reminding us that all authority on heaven and earth, all created things, is under your hand. And we can trust you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God delivered him and then sent him home. He said, go tell good news to other people. I am able. All right. Well, with that, uh, thank you who have joined us online today. Be encouraged. Uh, that prayer of deliverance is always something that we can pray any day. Uh, and uh, for the rest of us, we're going to have a nice lunch and I think a brownie uh, today. Well, for those that aren't, uh, anyway, I won't say any more. Thanks for being here today. I'm encouraged. Uh, good to see all of you and uh, see your smiling faces. Thanks for sharing your what God's saying in your heart today. It's awesome, too. Okay, have a great day. See you outside. All right, bye.